Hello, everybody. My name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe. Now what? What is up, everybody? How's y'all? How was? Yeah, I cannot talk today. How is everybody doing? Hope y'all are having a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is, because honestly, I do not know when you are listening to this, but I'm just glad you're listening. All right, today's episode, we're going to go and do a nice broad overview of Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. I like to call this the question about fasting. Now, let's just go ahead and read the verse, and then we'll start getting into it, and we'll break it down a little bit. All right, starting at verse 14, Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17, reads like this. Then the disciples of John came to him, asking, why do we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. Now, real quick before we keep going, John, it says John. uh, They're referring to John the Baptist. Now, in another passage, in a different gospel, it actually says, I want to say it either says the Pharisees or the Sadducees are asking this question. A lot of people get hung up on that. Don't get hung up on it. It honestly doesn't matter. Everything that matters is what the context of the verse is, what the actual meat and potatoes of the verse is. A lot of atheists will use an example like this and say, hey, look, this just proves it. The Bible's wrong. No, you got to remember, the Bible is divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was written by man through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible also talks about how let the spirit of the prophets be subject to the prophets. And I hope I'm not using that verse out of context, but I really don't think I am. People remember things differently. And when they remember them, they write them down the way that they remember them. And you got to remember these guys were writing this down 10, 15, 20 years after. But the main thing that get out of this is the significant stuff sticks. You can look back into your own mind, into your own history, and think about some significant events in your life. And then go to your siblings and talk to them. They remember the main event very well. And I do this with my little sister all the time. We remember the main meat and potato parts of that main event very well. The little stuff surrounding it, like before or after, yeah, we get into some disagreements about that because we remember it differently from our perspective and our point of view. This by no means discredits the Bible. It is still the infallible word of God. It is still divinely inspired. So do not get confused on that. And we can go all day on that topic. Maybe I'll do an episode on it, on how we can trust the Bible and the accuracy of it and go into the history about that. But for now, let's go ahead and keep going on this verse. I'll start it over again. Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. Then the disciples of John the Baptist came to him asking, Why do we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? In other words, Jesus is saying, why would my disciples mourn when I'm right here? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. He's talking about when he dies, leaves, resurrects, goes back up to heaven. He pops in there for about 40 days afterwards, but then he ultimately goes back up and not really seen physically anymore from them. Continuing on, verse 16, but no one puts a patch of unshrunken cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the worst tear results. 
nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins would burst, and the wine pours out, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. All right, now let's look at this. Let's look at this parable here. In, in Matthew, this parable holds many different meanings, and those meanings can differ on how you interpret the passage. But I believe we can find one common meaning among all those sub-meanings. The base question that we're looking at here is the ones that the disciples of John asked, which was, why are we fasting when your disciples do not? To understand this question, we must first understand fasting. In a broader sense, fasting is an act done to experience the power of God in a fuller sense. It's not relying on yourself or your earthly go-to, you know, iPad, Facebook, your phone, uh, maybe some people are still struggling with tobacco out there. You know, it's not going to those earthly do to go yeah go to go tos. Oh my gosh, I told you I can't talk today. But rather relying on God. It's not going to your earthly go tos. It's relying on God. Jesus, in classic form, might I add, answers this question with another question. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he pretty much said, "What is the point of needing God's presence?" when they already have the Son of God with them. There's no point. No point. There's, they don't have to cry about needing God's presence when I am right here, the Son of God. God dwells in me. They see my miracles. They see my works. They are living. They are abiding in me. Well, except for one of them. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> talking about Judas, of course. But that's, that's essentially what they're saying. Like I said, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's what I'm envisioning in my head when I'm reading this. Now, based off this, you may infer that there is no point to fasting then after the day of Pentecost because, oh, I got the Holy Spirit in me then. So there's no reason for me to fast because he said that he was going to go away. But then when the Holy Spirit came, then, you know, Christ lives in us, blah, 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 blah. No, don't get that. Don't really take that out of that. Uh, the reason why is it's, we don't see an example of that anywhere in the Bible. We're mandated. We're not mandated. We are not mandated to fast anymore, such as it was in Jewish law. But we still see biblical applications of it in Paul's epistles. The big difference is, is that we are no longer mandated, required, whatever word you want to throw on there, by law but rather it's within our Christian freedom in Christ. And in all honesty, it's something that I believe you should really want to do. Now, this is personal, but when I was younger, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in a great Christian family. If you never heard me say this, you know, my dad was a Bible teacher, my mom, an amazing Christian woman, all my siblings, you know, we all had a belief and a trust in God. But one thing we definitely never did was fast. You know, it was just never talked about. It was never, you know, it was always viewed as something that, you know, that's an Old Testament thing. We don't need to fast. And as we got older and we got wiser and we grew in grace and, not, grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, we, we started seeing, hey, you know what? Fasting is actually still a good thing. The main point, like I said, is we are not required to do it. The times when I fast is when I, I'm going through like a trial in my life. There's something going on in my life and I just, you know, I need to stop relying on myself. I need to stop relying on all the things around me, all my little creature comforts. 
and I just need to rely on God. What do I do in that? I, I would fast. You know, my brother recently talked about a fast that he did. I won't go into the details, but it, it worked out amazing for him. You know, he had a prayer answered. Fasting works. And if anything, really, even if you don't get the answer that you're desiring from your fast, you're going to come to a better understanding of God. I mean, we can go into a whole nother episode about prayer and how we really aren't changing God's mind when we pray, but more so God is changing our mind. And that's really what prayer does. God's will isn't going to change, but yet God, our mind can change according to match the will of God. As I said, we can get into that in another episode because that goes whole over a lot. All right, let's keep moving on. Now, now that we got this fasting question out of the way, let's look at the deep down meaning of what Jesus is saying in verses 16 and 17. And I'm going to go ahead and read it again, starting at verse 16. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, those wineskins burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. Now, if you don't understand the analogy that Jesus is drawing here with this parable, I'm going to go ahead and explain it to you. Don't worry. Jesus uses an analogy of an unshrunken cloth to patch up an old garment. Or in today's terms, you might say a new patch of denim that has never been washed before and you use it to patch up some old rugged blue jeans you got laying around. You've had them for 20 years sitting around. You know, they're your favorite blue jeans and you have a brand new piece of denim you're going to use to go ahead and patch it up with. Essentially, if you use that new denim, you're going to cause more harm than good. Because the new cloth hasn't been worn in, shrunk down, uh, you know, it hasn't seen the years of many service, you know. And when you try to sew that new one on and then you go to use it, uh, wash it, whatever the case may be, it's going to create an even worse tear. It's not going to mesh up good. If you're going to patch up an old pair of blue jeans, then use another old pair of blue jeans that you're just going to get rid of to go ahead and patch that up because they're both worn. They both seen things. They're running on the same timestamp. But if you try to use, like I said, the new blue jean uh, denim onto your old blue jeans, it's going to pull, rip, tear in a different way because it's not worn in. Hopefully, I think I nailed that one in the head good enough. <laughs> so moving on, the same could be said for the wineskins. In Jesus' time, wine was stored in leather skins. And because of the fermentation process, those skins would expand and they would stretch. And if you put new wine into the old skins, it would burst. And then all that would be ruined. So picture an animal skin. This is what they, because they didn't have, you know, uh, uh the same fermentation process that we have today. We can get into that another time. But what they would do is they would pour that new wine into a new wine skin because they're both new. And as the as the wine is fermenting or doing whatever it's doing, it's aging. You know that wine skin is going to expand. It, it's leather. It's leather. You know it's going to expand. It's going to contract over time, mostly expand, and just get worn. And if you try to put a new wine into that old wine skin. There's no more room for that thing to expand and do what it needs to do. It's going to burst because it's old. So an old wineskin, you just keep old wine in it or you get rid of it. 
either way. But you only put new wine into a new wine skin. So that way you don't ruin everything. This is an analogy of what happens. And then now I'm getting down to the meat and potatoes of this. Now that I explain that. This is an analogy of what happens when you mix Old Testament laws. And this is, once again, the ultimate meaning of this parable. This is an analogy on what happens when you mix Old Testament laws with New Testament truth. You get that? I'm going to say it one more time. This is what happens when you mix Old Testament laws with New Testament truth. It doesn't mix well. Jesus fulfilled that law for us and we are washed and clean by his sacrifice. His grace and faith is what saves us and the mandatory keeping of the law for salvation turns into a works-based salvation plan, which we know is not true. The old laws of fasting and tithing. Oh, he said tithing, pastor. He said tithing. Yes, I said tithing. The old laws of fasting and tithing and all these other laws that people try to bring over. It's not a mandate we have to follow anymore in order to receive the imputed righteousness of Christ. While fasting, and let's just go ahead and go back on tithing, you know, if I fasting and I'll say giving your money or offering is good, and it is definitely a good thing to do, it is by no means mandatory. Shed off the church legalism and put your trust and faith in Christ and everything will follow. This is what Jesus is ultimately saying, the way that I view this. Jesus is saying that, hey, look, I'm here. I'm ch- you don't got to do these things anymore. I'm going to fulfill the law because you can't do it. Once that law is fulfilled, all we have to do is accept and believe and place our faith in Christ. Confess him as Lord, not just with our mouth, but in our heart as well. And if we do that, we will obtain eternal life with Christ. No keeping of the law will ever do that. No matter how much you tithe, no matter how much you fast. If you're doing those things because you feel like you have to, then you're wrong. Do them because you want to. So you definitely don't have to do them. All right, well, I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. I know it was a short one, but if you're new here and you actually stuck through and listened... I really appreciate it. Go ahead and, uh, you know, this is basically what we do here. We give multiple sermons. Sometimes they go upwards as 40 minutes to an hour. Other times they're short like this. But at the end of the day, I believe now what is a ministry that is dedicated to getting the gospel out there and explaining the gospel to believers in a way in which they understand all throughout the Bible, just making the Bible understandable. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. If you got any questions, comment, concerns, go ahead, please drop us, uh, drop it onto our Facebook page. You can message it. You can go on the Twitter. You can drop a comment there. Just look up, I believe now what, you will find it. Thank y'all. Y'all have a wonderful day. Let's go ahead and end in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just getting this message out here, Lord. And I pray that all interpretations of this message was correct, Lord. And we are just honoring you by what we're doing. I pray that this just gets out there, Lord, and invites people to to start studying more and to get into their Bible and to read, not just to listen to the words that I say or what some other pastor or preacher or podcaster says, Lord, but just to, to read your word for themselves. And then they'll come to that true understanding of what you want, Lord. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a good one.